Look at that. All right, guys, let's get into it. We got a freaking loaded group today. We got, oh man, I gotta go through the list. We got Doug Cook, we got Red, Justin, we got Pete Harrell, Doug from Motion Race, or Andy from Motion Raceworks, and Lyle Barnett. Guys, we're gonna talk about Snowbirds today. There's a lot going on. You guys have been testing for what, three days now already at this point? Yep. Have you done anything? Uh, have you done anything good yet in testing? Is I'm, it going? I think I think so. I think so. I think so. I know. That one might work a little better for you. Yeah, you might be closer. Yeah. Sorry, guys, if mics are a little bit of a kind of a cluster at this point, but I got four mic inputs and six Used people. Them all up. Yeah. So how's yeah, testing I, been going? I think Your it's LDR. going pretty good. I think it's going pretty good. I mean, that's like I said, learning a lot every run. Haven't just made that stellar A to B pass, but we're getting a little closer and taking some pretty big steps. So in LDR, what do you need to run to be front runner right now, do you think, in LDR? With the the yeah. weather like it is this weekend, probably need to go an eighty seven or an eighty eight. Three eighty seven. Three eighty seven or a three eighty eight, and that's at thirty three hundred we were 3,350 pounds yesterday. Gosh, dang, that's a freaking yeah. heavy car. Yeah. yeah, that's just what we have to weigh. So Yeah. But, yeah, I think with the weather like it is, that's what you're going to have to go. There's going to be some cars that probably can't get there, and there's going to be some cars that probably can surpass that. I don't know. There's a lot of cars not going to make it down here for parts availability reasons, but that's what we're shooting for. So this kind of goes for everybody, though. What, what are you looking at with weather for this deal? Because it's going to be pretty cool and Bradenton track temp doesn't usually see that kind of temperatures. Sure. You can see that they struggle a little bit with it when the track is really cool. But I think the coolest part of the week is about over. I think it's actually supposed to warm up. So we'll see. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. How do you pro mod guys feel about that? Well, the telltale sign to know the weather conditions and how they're affecting, especially the, the pro mod guys, is walk through the pits at night and see how many of them got their heads pulled off. You know, like Tuesday night. I mean, it was unrealistic, really. It was almost not worth running. It was so good. You know, we. I mean, we saw a barometer we don't usually see ever. Um, I think Tuesday afternoon it was minus 1,400 feet or something crazy like that. And there were some people hauling ass, but come race day, like, you're not going to use any of that data. I mean, I saw some guys unload, go personal best, and put it right back in the trailer. And uh, and Steve Petty, who's tuning the car I'm driving this week, is like, dude, you got to learn how to go fast or learn how to turn that down, you know, because you're not going to be able to do that come Sunday morning. Um, and the same thing for Red and, the, and those guys in LDR. They may go 85 or 86 Friday night, <clears throat> but come Sunday morning, that 85 or 86 is going to be a 95 or a 96 at best, you know. And you've So you've got to be really careful. You can get in left field in a hurry, especially in the pro mod stuff, and come race day be completely lost when you see weather swings like this. So fortunately for us, well, for everybody, for the rest of the week, it looks like it's going to kind of level out. Um, and be more like it normally is down here. But at, so far this week, it's just been completely unrealistic. The good and bad part about snowbirds is kind of like World Cup, but the problem with these guys is they actually have rule sets that are really strict, and people live and die by them. So snowbirds, you're going to set some records and 
possibly cause yourself a lot of problems for next season if you you know go real real fast and kind of show your cards. So, oh, so people have to fast. think about next season because if you hang your nuts out and you you know yeah you the, go a personal best and you know John Sears sees that he's going to add some lead to your car. Yeah, the thing about LDR is it was designed to be like a good old boys class that like hey this your car doesn't fit radial versatile world but like hey we'll take these cars that we no people don't want to change and turn into some tube chassis car. But now it's become so competitive. You, some of these races, you'll have 50 or 60 cars show up, and these guys, you know, they're just ringing the motors out. I mean, from when Red started till now, we went from having no spares of anything to spare motor, spare transmission, spare yep. converter. Yeah. So it went from, like, a budget-oriented class where you can just go and have fun to let's just run this thing on a ragged edge every pass because that's just a natural progression. Well, of I, don't know if it was, I don't know if it's a budget situation. <laughs> it seemed like <laughs> an original. Well, originally it seemed like it. I think it's more of a, I mean, when they set the rules, you're like, well, you know, you can only go this fast with these parts, and these parts should do that no problem. But that was two and a half tenths ago in E.T., you know what I mean? So that's where the extra parts and et cetera. And Do you look at your engine builder and tuner at that one, and you're like, hey, uh, you know, I know you built them for this, but gosh, maybe. You know, <laughs> I, I can remember I can remember the first. That's this, that's this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's the engine builder and yeah. tuner. Beats had to learn to become a master of uh, turning chicken shit into chicken salads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My job. Job description. <laughs> well, you've done a great job with Garrett on that. I think that's where a lot of the people that watch this will know of you from is your work with Garrett and those guys. But right. let me quickly say what Snowbirds is. So Snowbirds is kind of the last event of the season for you guys, right? Because yep. you wouldn't consider it first, even though it's kind of like right there. It's last event of the season. It's when everybody really tries to do something cool, tries to win that money. It's not part of the points series, right? It's not part of the points for... Uh, small tire, yep. but they also include the Night of Fire, and if you've never seen the Night of Fire, I highly recommend you make it down to Bradenton to see that because no amount of video or live coverage will replicate jet cars going 300 miles an hour and blowing the concrete into the pond two streets away from Bradenton. So well, I don't, I don't, we got a story about yeah, that. I don't, know, actually. I don't know if how many of you have seen the guys that kind of hang around us when we race, but we've all got a, a buddy who'll be here later. His name is Josh Udy. And he's probably, I don't know what, six one or something, 275. Everybody at 250, you know, 275. I mean, he's corn fed, you know, whole milk. Whole milk. And, uh, non soy milk. None of that 1% pussy. No. I don't know if it was probably two years ago, two, within the past three years, yeah. we, were, we were there. Yep. And, and of course, Garrett's like, man, you guys should come stand in the middle of the track, like between the little concrete walls, you know. And, you know, at the time, you're like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Until you turn around and that transfer truck's coming at you, you know, with a fucking big jet engine stuck through the yeah. middle of it. So we duck down, you know, and that thing takes off, and it picks Josh Udy <laughs> up off of his fucking feet <laughs> and, like, throws him into every— I mean, he's it knocking— threw, I was wearing Josh Udy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> knocking people over, trash cans over, half the concrete wall, you yeah. know, and I was like, this is the last time I didn't, that, I, that I I'm didn't, in the middle of the racetrack during jet, jet car, jet truck, whatever you Immediately know. regretted I, that oh, decision. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I didn't really think jet, thing, jet cars were that cool until I saw that semi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and seeing that, a video doesn't do it justice. You have to be there no. when you feel the them bumping in, yep. and it's like a shockwave to the whole facility of Bradenton, and you just like and get even, hit with this. Even being in front of it, like if you're gonna go and experience that, I mean, don't stand behind it. That's right? stupid. But like off to the side where you can kind of 
understand what they do to the air and the shit behind them. Like it's unbelievable, you know. Like it, compl- they have to stop traffic, you know. What was weird about running. that thing is when it took off, it was like a lot of force, but it didn't blow Josh Udy into me until it was about half track. Oh, oh yes, that's when feet. the that's when the pressure came when it got like half track, and you're like, how can the pressure travel that far? Well, back? they're just starting to get into it. Like those jet engines aren't at efficiency until like 400 miles an hour which they never even see so like they're but to think that like the pressure can travel 600 feet and then knock you over like it doesn't even seem to add up but yeah that's cool yeah Yeah. so if you've never seen the jet stuff i i highly recommend you go what is it um friday and saturday night they do it's just saturday saturday night they do the night of fire fire, so all the jet engines are out there and it's truly a must experience type of event and then of course there's some drag racing as well <laughs> sure <laughs> which you guys probably uh can tell us all about yeah friday and saturday night and qualifying that's like kind of when everybody lets their nuts hang out absolutely you no, know I mean, pro fr- mod, from pro mods to ldr like that's it's it's something it's like a home run derby really when you qualify for this race you make your run friday night if you miss it friday night you, you're not going to qualify as what you may not Qualify to your full potential if you miss it on Friday night. Like that's so you got to be there Friday yeah. night to every, watch stuff go. Fast. Every race I've ran here in Pro Mod, we have made the run on on Friday night. You know, and that's if you're. I, I don't. Not all fifty two. I think are on the list. Not all of them are here. But like, if you miss it Friday night, then you may miss the show. You know, come. come yeah, because there's fifty two cars and what is it a thirty two car field? Car field. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people get that cut, and that's crazy to think that there's that number in Pro Mod yeah. to begin with. That there are 52 cars that are within, you know, five numbers of each other yep. in the end of the day. And then people are just fighting to get into the field. Last year, there's some big upsets as well, right? Well, and that's, you know, like I was talking about earlier, when the, when, the air is this, it, when the air is this good and you make the run on Friday night, come Sunday, if you can just get in, like nobody, nobody on this list that will qualify for the 32-car field, it, just because you're the number one or the, in the top eight does not mean you're going to make it past first round, much less win the race. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can just get in. The World Series, didn't wasn't Spencer at like the bottom of the field? He was. And then he won. Sec, he, he was, if he wasn't the last qualifier, he was somewhere. I mean, yeah, he was so. way down there. And but that's it's just any, anybody's, anybody's race as long as you're in. And the reason he was down there is because he missed the run. When we all qualified – when we all made our qualifying shot, you know, I mean, I went 66 in the Roots car, and I was like 22nd or something like that. You know, number one was went 61, and Spencer went 68 or something like that, 69. And it's crazy. Those big floppy first. tires are dead is what I hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's well, 52 cars. <laughs> come on out there, you know. And there'll but, be 52 cars out there trying to get in. From a tuner standpoint, like in, in Pete's shoes, you know, and I, I guess really is a question for Pete. When you consider you've got one shot, how much of a risk do you take? You know, like if you know that I have to go fast here, but also can't knock the tire off, are you somewhat conservative? Grab that mic. Or do you well, go for gold and try to get it done? I would you know? say that kind of depends where you're at in qualifying to start with. Yeah. If you're kind of on the outside looking in, then I'm looking more of a chip shot to at least get something decent, yeah. right? But if I've got something decent in the bag, then I'm going to throw some at it because what do you got to lose? You know, So that's kind of how I would look at that. And do you even care, like, if you're 32 qualifier, does that even matter to you because you're so close to number one with the spread that it's almost like, you know, in, in most racing, if you're bottom qualifier, the guy that's number one is probably a half a second faster than you in, like, my style of racing. But then in this, 
everybody's so close anyways, it's almost just like a roll of the dice. Well, to some extent, but usually, like, <laughs> the problem is, number the, your, your first round is probably not going to be in the best conditions, right? And that spread may open up, and they may be, have a better, you know, uh, in-the-sun type tune-up than you do. So, yeah, it still matters because, you know, even though it's a, maybe, say, a five-number spread or something, they're probably better at running close to that spot they're in, you know, consistently. And that, you know, unless you got a driver that can consistently drill it and they have one that consi- consistently can't, then it's probably going to matter, you know. Well, and, and at, like Pete said, that early in the day when the, when the track is what you would call green, like lane choice is big, right, you know. Especially in the first couple rounds, it could turn into a one-lane racetrack overnight, you know, mm-hmm. if they, I don't know, maybe some dew set in or it could have possibly rained or whatever. When you show up for eliminations on Sunday morning, it could be a one-lane racetrack, and that could determine the first couple of rounds until they, if they ever get it right. You know, like we were just in South Georgia, and it was kind of a one-lane racetrack there on race day, and you could just about guarantee that if you did not have lane choice, it probably wasn't going to go your way. Yeah, in radio racing, it's even it's worse in that regard because, like, you can have a couple guys in front of you knock the tires off trying to beat the faster qualified cars, and then the worst lane turns into the way worse lane really quick. And, like, if you're in a better spot, then you can switch lanes or do what you need to do. But if you're not, then you just you have to take what you're given. You know? Cooper, I think you had a thought about how how to even the playing field <laughs> for a pro mod. I was wondering, me and Doug were talking before, and I was, I was hoping somebody runs out there when – Lyle pulls up with a flashlight to. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that might even the playing field yeah, a little yeah, bit. Help it out a little bit. bit. Yeah, just tell them, take one, one more step in the groove. I'll just run your ass over. Yeah, run them over. Yeah. Time. Just shut it off. And yeah. How do you read a track when they're running radials and slick tires? Is it completely different than like? Well, I would say, like down here, they do. A, Wade does a really good job. They do. Like. In some places, really struggle with doing that. It's not easy. But well, I think since they started doing that, what the track guys have figured out is the most important part of that is the run order. Yeah. You know, and they figured out, all right, well, let's, you know, start here. And then as the track goes away, we'll glue it. Then as it goes away, it'll be back to where the pro mods are happy on it. So these races have been happening long enough, too, at these bigger tracks that I think people racers, crew, tuners, whatever, trust that the track's going to be to this level. You know, it just, it always is to this level, so that's the level it's going to yeah. be to. If for some reason it's not to that level, then you deal with it, but you just all, you just trust that it's going to be. I think that's I mean? why people like coming to Bradenton, because it's always, almost always on point. Yeah, yeah. It's not and one of those tracks that's hit or miss, like, you can just trust that Wade's got it yeah. right. Well, it seems like at World Cup they dealt, they struggled with that a little bit. The the radial prep and the slick tire prep, whereas the radial guys almost needed to completely change what they were yeah. planning to do. Yeah, it's but, super cold up there too. So in yeah, that, it's yeah. it's complicated up there because they intermix stuff so much. Like, and that's where Garrett's going to kind of get kind of screwed over because they kicked him out of one class and put him with Mullet into a into basically like a pro mod class. So in front, and he may he's he may have to go behind ten slick tire cars before his pass, and a car with a hundred sixteen inch wheelbase now has no glue left. So it's just there's no way it's gonna work. Well, he does have the same engine and turbo combo as Mark Mickey, right? Isn't it the same? <laughs> pretty much the same um, power <laughs> setup, Not same anymore. cubic right. engine, bigger turbos for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean. 
But there's, there's only a handful of guys in the country, and I won't name any because I'll forget one, but that are capable of prepping a track for both anyway. You know, yeah. like <clears throat> there there are people that try to do it or tracks that try to do it, and and like they said, there's. I mean, I could probably name maybe three or four that are capable of doing it, and they do do a good job here. Um, but with the Pro Mod stuff, you know, Tyler Crossno really started this trend <clears throat> with the PDRA a couple years ago. He, he made the prep better and better and better. And now your diehard, diehard Pro Mod guys, Todd Tuttero, um, even Ricky Smith, and those guys have kind of learned and figured out how to run on these better prep racetracks. Because yeah. for the longest time, a really good Pro Mod track – was absolutely not a radial yeah, track. Yeah, I was about to say in that. In any way, like, shape, or form. That's one of the biggest differences. The Pro Mod guys that are down here this weekend can run on a much tighter Steady. track and where that, even a couple years ago they would have been raising hell. Yeah, and, and, and that's partly because Tyler Crossno, and I don't know if he did it on purpose to kind of plan for, for this or what, but he started that because when he first started doing it, there were some guys up in arms a bit about it, like mm-hmm. the track is way too tight. Yeah. And Tyler stood his ground, and now when these races down here happen and they can intermix some of that radial stuff when they were doing that in PDRA, the, the Pro Mod guys are happy and they, and can run fast, and the radial guys are happy and can run fast, and it does make for a better show. But I credit Tyler Crossno to that for the most part when he started that in the PDRA, which is most of your fast guys down here, that's where they run most of the time. There's very few of them that cross over to NHRA, but um, – the eighth mile pro mod prep has gotten significantly better just in the past two to three years than it used to be. On a tight track, would you say the pro mods get into tire shake? Because that's what it seems like the big tire cars were doing on sick week is, you know, on these tight tracks, they would get into tire shake and then they would just start breaking trans parts or something along those lines. I mean, yeah, you I mean, probably... you know, the radio, the radio cars absolutely 100% have to stick the tire and drive off. And if a pro mod car sticks the tire, it it's hard to get it back round again because when it sticks it, it just wads it up. Right, you know, and it's hard to it's hard to get it back round. We we need to slip it when we let go of the button. It needs to it needs to spin over. You know, it needs to spin. Literally, it's a controlled spin for most of the run. And when you stick a Pro Mod tire, it's really hard to get it back round. The only way to do it is to either try to slow it down some or just overpower it. And then most of the time, you end up in tire shake anyway. But shock technology, converter technology. Um, transmission and stuff like the the way that they run these cars now there's just there's many more ways to fix that you know we can we've learned how to run all these tighter tracks and keeping the tire round is not as hard to do anymore and when you guys shake tires you break stuff bad, uh-huh. right? yeah like yeah, this like is the first chassis the first weekend that i've driven for the for the pro line guys and and uh and i think the second or third run yesterday mine went out and shook the tires I mean, like it's as hard a tire shake as I've had in a while, and it kicked a, it broke a chassis tab, kicked a puck of weight off, you know, shot it over to the wall, um, and the tire shake is terrible on these things. It'll break wheelie bars, four link brackets, you know, it's you shake one two or three times in a row, and it's time to put it on the projects and take it apart and start looking because you've more than likely broke something somewhere. As a driver, how much responsibility do you kind of bear for that, or is, does it just happen so quickly that it's almost like? I mean, your only responsibility at that point is to get out of the throttle before that thing's in the wall. But if, know? like, you know, somebody stays in it through the tire shaker as a driver, is that kind of on them a little bit? Or is it yeah. like you understand because it happens in such, like... You just have to learn how to drive them with a seat of your pants. You know, you a lot of the first 100 feet of the run, you know, I have to call it driving with the bottoms of my legs. You know, you can just feel what the tire's doing. And you just got to kind of got to know what tire shape you can drive through and what you can't. You know, it was very obvious yesterday I wasn't driving through any of that. I mean, it was top fuel in the tire. But there, I've I've been at this race and driven through some tire shape that 
probably should have aborted and it made it. You know, now it slowed it down eight or nine numbers. But it's just laps, I man. You just got to make laps in those things and understand that some tire shake is 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 okay. And and on a really good run, they'll quiver some the first hundred feet, and then you just got to know when to abort ship. You know, it's it... another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's just seat time, dude. It probably depends, too, <clears throat> whether you're in, you know, actual eliminations or 100%. testing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're not. If it goes out there and, and quivers them pretty hard... Unless you're on the outside looking in, um, most of the time we just abort, you know. But in eliminations, obviously you – and that's when you'll get in trouble. You know, we saw – that's Chris Thorne's car on, on the screen there in NHRA this year. He was running for a championship. Um, his car got out of shape in, in E1 uh, and it ended up on its lid, you know. And that's another part of driving those things. You just got to know when to give it up. You know, it's, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble in eliminations in those things when it matters and they get out of shape. Because if they're in the groove, you can kind of drive them around. If they get a tire out, it, they it, they can end up – they'll be on their lid before you can do anything about it. You know? Well, and when somebody says $52,000 to win, that's right. you get a little bit more froggy as well. Yeah. If it was just for bragging rights, it probably would be a little more likely to get out of the throttle. What does an LDR car feel like in tire shake? How different is that? Like, throw I, the I, mic? I've never drove a big tire car. With big floppy tires on it, so I couldn't. I can't reiterate, but the older, like the older radial three fifteen that we used to run on five, six years ago, whatever it was, seven, eight years ago, that thing would shake pretty violent. Um, obviously, tire technology has gotten so much better, so we don't generally deal with it. You know, what I mean, we generally don't have to deal with it. We're getting after these cars so fast early, um, and like I said, it's a radial tire, so it doesn't have the ability I'm not going to say it doesn't have the ability to shake you just don't deal with it you know Generally, what I mean? like the radial if it spins you're just done yeah exactly yeah, exactly shakes, you're done too exactly yeah. yeah there's no recovery process with a radial car yeah the last radial tire race I watched it was like every pair on the first round it was just like one car went down one car spun and it was just like alright I guess I'll come back for round two to watch yep <laughs> because it's just tough and especially in the heat of the day I've seen radial races where you could drive a Honda Civic to, and I'm mean, like a non-hopped-up Honda Civic and win multiple rounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, that's the unfortunate part about last it. February, I guess, or yeah, Georgia. Um, Devil Horse, an LDR car, won RVW. You know, running three yeah. nineties. Oh wow! Well, Brian Keep almost won it with Ultra Street. Yeah. With an Ultra Street car, he was double yeah. entered. Anything could happen. Yeah, there's a lot more strategy, I feel like, with the radial, right? Pete? Yeah, and sometimes in the faster, like, it's hard to slow them down. You know, like, you may need to slow down two tenths or whatever to go down a really greasy track, but sometimes that can actually be easier said than done because that whole car is engineered and set up to to be hit hard and, and jammed on through there. And just, like, just turning the knob down doesn't actually work out because you have to kind of re-engineer stuff, you know. To go fast, you got to move bars and yeah, to slow to, down you'd have to just, move them right back right you have to move bars move weight change converter all kinds of stuff so it's it sounds really easy but in actuality it can be kind of tricky it's not a knob turn away for sure right well, do you rely like, on traction control much in those deals yeah um because it feels like almost to me if you if it gets into the traction control like you're 
it's kind of like spinning the tires. You're you lost. Well, it, it depends. So we use it for a lot of things. Sometimes we use the TC to slow the car down, you know, to hold it back in certain spots. But and uh, but it's always run in the background. Now, when we're trying to go really fast and qualifying or later rounds of eliminations, it, in a lot of times it can can only do so much because you got so much loaded into it that if it slips, it. it a lot of times, what people don't understand it, in these radial cars or, or the slick tire cars too, when the thing slips, what's actually happening is the tire is not on the ground because it's square it's or so distorted. So when that's the case, like TC's not going to do anything. It doesn't have any way to do it. It's not touching anything, you know. So it's really complicated. But TC is super effective on Sunday in E1 and 2 when the track's really greasy. And you can pull the thing down and keep it running in the background. That's where it really pays off. In this type of racing, other types of racing we do, like no prep, it's the opposite. It's everything. Yeah. It's more of like a maintainer on radials. Right. It really is like a maintainer. You're trying to maintain an ET range with it. You know what I mean? Whereas on a slick tire car where you've got a controlled tire spin most of the trip, then you're just then it's there doing exactly what it was designed to. But we use it for a maintainer, and especially when the air is swinging like it does here in Florida. It's 85 one day with 2,500 DA, and it's 65 the next day with 100 foot of DA. You're not going in there twisting a bunch of knobs on the tune-up. You've got something to maintain runs. You know what I mean? And yeah, that makes like, it easier to manage your information. And it makes it to where you're not touching so many things between rounds. Because the more stuff you touch between rounds, the more possibility there is to forget what to do the next round. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, you may not know exactly what you need to do to account for all the air changes and everything that's happened, but you can put that drive shaft path. You do know what a, a 106 drive shaft path looks like. You know exactly what that looks like. So you can put that in there. And miss a little bit on your other stuff and still have it going. You know? And yeah. as in 106, you mean 60 foot? 60 foot, 106, yeah. 60 foot. Right, yeah. Which is pretty pretty spicy for LDR cars. I mean, that's probably up there in what they run in the 60 foot, right? You some guys going of, some into of the, the lighter, Some of the lighter, lighter combinations go faster. The heavier combinations, um, I'd say 102 to 106 range for the heavier combinations. Yeah, that's so, a lot of weight to move. Do you even... Yeah. Like, how much 60-foot are you thinking about versus once you get to that level, is it more 330 thinking, or is it still... It's 60-foot. 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 I thought once you are getting that fast, like, you know, yeah. you kind of have to start thinking a little bit more in a max broad. E in a max effort class racing, whether it's Pro Mod, LDR, Ultra Street, these cars have got everything they got by 60-foot. So yeah. that is everything. It's you know so hard I mean? to come back around. It yeah. takes... Way more power than you realized. Today. Well, every the weights and the rules are managed to keep the cars. If you leave at the same time, they should cross the finish line at the same exact time if they're both have perfect runs. So you have to be the 60 foot is where it's all at. You can't catch up from there. So quarter mile and a big floppy tire. That one kind of um, was interesting to see. Why was he running it out the back just to break the record? You, 100%. I mean, you you could tell us all about this. Yeah, so they. they Mark Mickey just broke the record with his car. Yeah, Jose is, you know, he a, a great driver. Uh, drives in, in in all forms and got cars. He runs it in, at World Cup and stuff back home. And you know, he's but his one of his kind of bucket list deals was to be the fastest man in the quarter mile in a door car. 
And they he has his own car um, that they were going to try to do that with this year. But Mark Mickey, you know, had a setup ready to go. And, you know, people have asked, well, why didn't Mark drive? Well, he doesn't have just true desire to really go that fast. And Jose has tons of experience at those speeds in the quarter mile. Because what you – like, getting to the finish line, most of us in this room could do, right? If you can hold it to the floor, you know, if you got balls to hold it to the floor – Getting it stopped and knowing, learning where the finish line is and where you are on the racetrack is a totally different deal. And people don't think about that. You know, like Jose is, like I said, is very good. He's a he's a multi-time champion. Uh, won NHRA Pro Modified World Championship a couple years ago, um, and a seasoned driver. Uh, but <clears throat> you could hold that thing four tenths past the finish line and be deep in the strawberry patch. I mean, that thing be running three hundred. You know. And that's what people do not understand is the, the hardest part of driving a Pro Mod quarter mile is just learning where you are on the racetrack at any given time. Yeah. Counting cones as they go by subconsciously, right? You know, like yeah. most of the time if, I mean, it's happening fast, but if you were on the radio, I could tell you where I was, you know. And that is the hardest part driving quarter mile at those speeds. The, you just, the you thing just that people it. don't understand about that is that 300 mile an hour, you're stopping distance real estate disappears at an unbelievable rate. No, absolutely. So if you hold it down for just a fraction of a second past the stripe, you have gone way into your shutdown area. Absolutely. And if you don't have the parachutes out when they're supposed to be out and stop or let out when you're supposed to be out, you can be in trouble real quick. Yeah, you're not talking about seconds. You're talking about milliseconds. Yeah, like a parachute takes a second or more to blossom. Yeah, and if you watch... At 150, that's one thing, but at 300, a second's coming If you watch the video, Jose, and and in the end car, he's got the parachutes coming out, you know, and those of us that drive quarter-mile pro mods, we all do. You know, as the mile-an-hour cones come into the nose, that's when you start getting, you know, the parachute out. Now, for him, he was getting them out way before that because, like Pete said, he was... I mean, it said 272 when he crossed the finish line, but by the time that thing actually started decelerating, he was probably running 290, right? right? You know, yeah. and that's what you just don't understand. He well, didn't go 272 and then immediately go 260, 252. You know, like he went, he accelerated for a little bit. The shoots are untested at that speed as well. So at World Cup, what was it, last year or something, you saw Lutz toss yeah. his shoots at high speed and they just. They were gone. They were just like off the car. That happens about every year up there, usually multiple cars, because they're not prepared. The chassis builders sometimes don't really understand the forces involved when that thing hits at that kind of speed. It's just unreal, you know. Yeah, it's fine at eighth mile, but then once quarter mile speed. it's way different, and and I've seen a bunch of them get pulled off up there. And that's scary, too, because then you want to have a little bit of extra runway in case you don't feel that tug of the shoe. And I'm sure at 300, it feels pretty serious compared to like you know my 170 <laughs> and Bradenton's one of the longest tracks out there it's pretty long you know and it and the shutdown goes uphill a little bit yeah. which helps a ton yeah. there was I've, a camper on the other side <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> that's terrifying but I talked to Mark um Mickey before the run and he actually Stroud made him parachutes specifically for those oh, runs they had top fuel tethers on them yeah. and a little bigger than what he normally runs you know and Jose went 272 or whatever it was, and, and uh, I wasn't at the top end, but there were some guys down there that said by halfway through the shutdown he was at an idle speed, you know, so they, they actually did prepare right. to yeah. do this. That's got to be violent in a car when those both deploy I mean, I, at those speeds. In a pro mod, I've been 258 um, and then went 270 and some change in the top alcohol car.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And in the pro mod, especially, it's almost disorienting for the first little when you pull those things. You just kind of dangle in the belts for a second, you know, when they when they really hit hard. Like, it can kind of... Because a lot of top fuel guys, like, detach retinas and stuff. It's I that much it was, negative, like, five or something. I think it was something. Kenny Bernstein, yep. but I can't remember. He His parachutes came out under power at a good ways down the racetrack. It, it separated his retina from his eye. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. Does power adder, you think play a big role in how violent it is because that turbo car seems a lot less like it seems a lot less violent than like the big blower combinations well it seems smooth like a turbo would be in the blower cars you're pretty much just along for the ride at the eighth mile in the quarter and in the same thing in the in the eighth you're pretty much just along for the ride at the 330 a half track you the acceleration is over the g meter is starting to to decel you know but in the turbo car they're just now waking up you know they pull all the way to the finish line. Like, it, it's unbelievable. My G-meter pretty much falls off, like, 60 feet out. <laughs> I just kind of hold on after that. <laughs> but the turbo car stuff seems so cool. I hope that that catches on in the pro mod. I know that it gets a lot of slack and kind of gets made fun of, but I feel like turbo stuff is just it's so, so the, good now. The E-gates have been the biggest change. You know, and Mark Mickey would tell you the same thing. You know, they're running electronic wastegates on the cold side of the turbo now. You know, they're not... In fact, well, he does have wastegates on the hot side now because they blew some turbos up before they figured out they needed them. Um, but the boost control, and not just with the e-gates, the boost control. These, you know, the the new EFI, uh, you know, kind of self-contained Holly or Fuel Tech or Hall Tech or whatever that have boost control in them is so good now. You know, it's way better than when Pete used to do it back in the day. You know, um, staging procedure is way better. There's, you know, technology's just came so far. But for the turbo stuff, the e-gate. That new technology is. is I was going to say, Pete could probably speak on the E gate stuff. You guys had the drag and drive car, right? You were. Yeah. um, The, you know, like Lyle said, a lot of times the, the technology comes from managing the stuff, not the, the, you know, the invention in the first place. And the hardware is the easier part. Things are changing, and still, I think there's a lot to change because some of the, you know, the E gate stuff is great, but I don't recommend it for your average street guy. You know. Um, what you know, like what Mickey's trying to do with it, and everything is a little different than than, than other stuff. But because some of the there's still a lot to be had in the software development for controlling that, you know. But it can it can be good for sure. And they get unhappy with a lot of softwares from what I've seen. Like very like they I think they developed it with FuelTech with the eGate stuff. So FuelTech's pretty happy with it. I'm, I know you're more of a Holly guy, right? Yeah. Well, I've used the FuelTech on it too, and you know, it's it's okay, but. The, the bigger thing that's happened is that we've uh, just people know how to run turbos better nowadays. Like what I t- people ask me, which should I go, you know, turbo or, or, or supercharger? And I generally tell them that the supercharger is easier to make to manage power with because timing just works so uh, effectively. And that's why so many guys like it, because it, in a drag race application, it's all about managing power. And with the blower, it's just super easy to do. It's easier to do, in my opinion. But it's easier to produce gobs of power with a turbo. Like with a turbo, the truth is anybody can make a ton of power, right? But where the expertise comes in is 
harnessing and you know being able to rein that power in, generate exactly what you want on the starting line every time. That's a trick, you know, and it takes a little bit of know-how, and that's where a lot of guys have. That's where progress has been made over the past ten years. The boost controllers are better. The uh, the transmissions and converters are better. We can stage way easier than when I started. You know, we used to have all kinds of crazy stuff we did to get in the beams, you know, and nowadays that's just nobody has that problem, you know. <clears throat> but I think it's also it became a bit of a problem, you know, back in when they, especially when I first started racing, there was a bunch of independent, I would call them independent teams. If we all had a race car, we pretty much all tuned our own shit, right? And anymore, because of the advancement in the technology and what it takes to harness all the power, like Pete said, like it, it takes, you know, we call them super tuners. It takes a Pete, a Steve Petty, a Jamie Miller, a Justin Elks. And if you walk through the pits, They're especially everywhere. this weekend, 75% of the Pro Mod cars are tuned by one of probably six people. Right? Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's, and, when, and, I, when I started, there wasn't hardly such thing as a tuner, right. or let alone a super tuner. But that's literally know? what it takes today. You know? Yeah, like, right. Now did you graduate everywhere. into a super tuner? Didn't tell them about that. I am. Get you sounds, a like a new, sounds like a new t-shirt for <laughs> me. Get you a cape for this week. Justin, that budget deal we were talking about earlier, Justin, just went up. I actually had Victor wasn't here, so I added him to this, too. Pro Mod driver guy. Oh yeah, because you know he's a big pro mod guy these days. Yeah. It's I, I think that really messed him up after driving that one. Hundred percent, he's ruined now. Yep. Yeah. That's why I can't drive anything fast. I know it's gonna ruin me. I prefer to go slow. Yeah, the way my bank account's set up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lyle, we, <laughs> I think in a year we watched Lyle deal with that exact thing. Yeah. yeah. He drove something real fast, or what, two years ago, and now it's like I'm fucked. Just pro mod only. <laughs> I remember Lyle stayed at my house when he was getting his pro mod license down here. It was like after U.S. Street or before U.S. It Street. Was, uh... This race. Yeah, I feel like it changed you as a person. It did. <laughs> yeah. You came ruined. home, like, he you left. better looking. That's you sure. left, you went to the track, you came home, and I felt like, you know, something came else entered home, your body. Came back home with tattoos, smoking Marlboro Reds. Yeah. <laughs> with the Scotty Cannon yeah. glasses on. Yeah. I'm here to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> if the if ProMod was truly unlimited, would everybody just have turbos at that point, or? They'd either no. have turbos or a screwblower. <laughs> yeah. And I think if, if, if Donald Long Duck does this, uh, run what you brung type race or whatever you want to call it, you know, two hundred thousand to win. Um, you'll that's all that. Well, there may be some pro charge stuff, but you won't. There will be no nitrous cars. Um, there will be no roots cars. It will be turbos, screw blowers, and possibly uh, some pro charger stuff. But that's what it kind of feels like. They slow down the other combos to make it fair for. Well, they have a to. couple different. You know, if, it, if it was un, if if you could bring just whatever you wanted here, and there were no minimum weights, it would just be full of screwblowers, and a like two turbo class. cars. You know what I mean? Um, well, and, they just came out with the new Pro Charger, what one thirty nine or something. Yeah, that's a pretty big F, dog. F four X or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, you know, and and I don't know that you can run one here. I know we don't have it on. on Does the car putting right. the weight in that spot help a lot? I feel like. Well, Instead the, of like a the, screw blower where it's like up above the center well, line it, of it the hurt. car, it makes it more difficult if that if that weight is farther out and low. You know, with that with that screw blower sitting on top of the motor and being back, it's easier to transfer the weight. You know, and that's everything in these things. Get them back on the wheelie bar so that you can get them off the starting line. You know, well, so it, I think the cars have kind of evolved that way because for years everybody had a roots or a blower or right, a screw, right. and like the whole thing 
worked around having that weight there yeah. and it's a big change when you move it down and forward yeah, interesting because i would hard. i would think on like a radial car you would want the weight oh and a radial car you do yeah you know or well more to so. a certain extent so, even that's even changed yeah something Boy. i noticed on whenever the pro mod or the pro mod entries started building cars for pro charger power adders the ride height on the pro charger cars looks to be higher than the screw blower, roots blower cars. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, when they're pushing through the pits, you can look and the ride height looks higher. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably is. So I want to understand the other classes a little bit more and help people understand the, you know, Pro 275, X275, LDR, like what are the differences for like, you know, if I'm sitting in the stands watching, what really kind of tells these cars apart? What are some of the, like the defining rules of these classes? Why is somebody in Pro 275 versus X275? I mean, honestly, to, to know the difference, you just have to know the difference. Anymore. <laughs> I mean, you can tell when the scoreboards light up, but if they pulled, I mean, even an ultra street car on the starting line beside an X275 car and you had to tell me which one would which, you couldn't. You just have to know who's in it, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And they were all created, you know, Outlaw Drag Radial was really the, the class back in the day, and when the bottom half of the field got tired of running with David Wolf and Stevie and all those guys, they created – Pro 275, and when that got fast, they created something else. So they're all just a step down. They're kind of just layered on top of each other where they slow down as you go. The biggest thing would be the power production limitations, right? Like an X car, you know, is limited to, say, an 88-millimeter turbo and maybe an F1X blower or whatever, where an LDR car gets two of those turbos, essentially, and and a totally different blower. So the power, even though the car looks very similar and – in a lot of ways, it works very similar. The power uh, p- potential is drastically different. You know, but make no mistake. I mean, you take a top tier ultra street team that runs up front in ultra street. Whether I think they're in the mid to high forties right now, four forties. Just because they're in ultra street, don't mean they can't go to X and play by the X rules and run right up front in X. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you those can't. Ultra street guys are great racers. Yeah, you can't talk down to the class below you because I've seen it many a times that they move up. The cream always rises to the top. I mean, the same goes for everything. Them guys work hard. Essentially, Um, Ultra Street's the slowest class. X275, right? Yeah, 440, 450. X275 goes 20s, 420s, 430s, sometimes teens. And then uh, LDR is like your last Mohican, if you will, like it's the last like yeah. steel-bodied car that looks like a real car, and they're on a 295 tire and they're going high threes. And then Pro 275 is basically a pro mod with a radial on it, okay. with a small radial. So, not that it really matters, but the biggest, the coolest kind of distinction I think of all of them is LDR is ran on a DOT-approved tire, like a legit DOT number on the side. Yeah. So those look what like that's worth. <laughs> so I mean, if I gotta drive home, I can, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. He did drive around the neighborhood the other day. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those cars look like street cars. That's like, the yeah. essence of it. it. Looks like a real mo- like if you. I think that's why LDRs become so popular. If you walk, see Paul Gargas's car, or Reds or uh, Chad Henderson's, you're like, that looks like a Grand National. That mm-hmm. looks like a Nova. It doesn't look like some stretched out. Yeah mess which that's cool if you're going fast but like yeah people like little kids come up and see a real muscle car like this is cool and then when it goes it's through, relatable no one that cracks off yeah. a 383 90 they're like that's even cooler yeah. so boys i gotta get to the racetrack coop i appreciate it hey Y'all stay thanks ahead. for coming on brother hey I'll sign the there. board before you walk out Sweet. appreciate you coming man go win or go do something cool at least <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, we were talking about all kinds of different things, traction control, where were we before Lyle completely interrupted everything oh, 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 to walk out. Hold on, what about fajitas? Do we got to ask him about fajitas? Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, I can give my opinion on fajitas. I've never done it before. I don't really enjoy a show, you know? Right. Dinner would, and a show? If, if they came out like tacos... Perfectly fine with and that's it. my deal. I don't need a show. I don't need everybody to look at me. I'd prefer if you didn't put me in the corner. Who's the guy you don't on need TikTok? To. Is it Dane the Great? Dane the Great. I mean, I mean are we going to cook these right <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, we're going to cook them right They still cook them. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> they got a good sizzle. You know, just bring them out sizzle. as tacos, and I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't my need any. great crock pot fajitas, right? You know, but when I get home. So just, what you're saying now is that you do like fajitas I'll as long as they don't come out still the sizzling. Flavor's fine. It's the sizzle and the show. So, like, if we order some and have them sent to the table behind us, <laughs> and, and then, then I just grab good. a scoop and throw them in front of you, you're eating them. I'm good. I don't need to make my own tacos at the table. Right. Well, this is a perfect. Perpetual conversation for the Shake and Bake podcast. So yes. if, you, if you enjoy this fajita yeah, conversation. Yes. If you like fajitas, and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Great plug. Go go check out Shake and Bake. You want to switch chairs? I can, yeah. I'm yeah, gonna... might as well. You don't need to sit on the folding Andy one. gets his own mic. Oh, man, man, moving on up. Yeah, on look up. at this. All right, guys, I wanted to interrupt this real quick to say if you enjoy what we're doing here, I only ask one thing. Hit that subscribe button. It means a lot. It helps us grow, and we can keep this thing going. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Thank you guys so much for the continued support. So where should we go from here? Um, talking about power adders, Lyle, I was going to ask him about you know beef and racing because I feel like he loves that as the, the shit talking and coming at other drivers. Does it happen in LDR at all? I feel I, like that's a pretty good group of guys where they all kind of just you know, eh, sit around the campfire. Yeah, that's I don't kind know, of more of a campfire notice, group. I feel. Yeah, like. I don't. I don't notice any of the shit talking in any of the classes other than just Lyle. In the <laughs> it's, it's just Lyle. Lyle. Yeah, it's just Lyle. <laughs> it's literally Lyle on was, Island. Yeah, yeah. It was Stevie, and then it's just Lyle. So. <laughs> um, We're hoping Stevie comes back with you know yeah, a little bit of that's the true. old school. That's true. Shit talking. I think, too, the age group. I mean, like most of these max effort class racing, these guys are older. So it's just it just means something different to them. Lyle's young, very competitive. I'm not saying everybody's not competitive, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Plus, he's just trying to keep the pot stirred, man. It makes it interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, he's doing it for a job, you know, so it's it means something different to him than it means for me or him or him racing his own car. You know what I mean? I kind of do it for a job. I mean, yeah. I don't race for a job. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't race for a job. I would be Yeah, I'd, I would be living on the street for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't win enough for that. <laughs> yeah, even though that 52,000's up there, make no mistake, that's a losing number still. Oh, 100%. Yeah. For, for the week yeah. and the weekend, yeah. like, for sure. yeah. Well, yeah. well if you I win mean, LDR you wanna... 7,500, that's profit, yeah. right? That's yeah. like 7,000 profit from the <laughs> weekend. <laughs> well, actually, the entry fee's only 300, so it's 70. 200 yeah, after yeah. you pay you the tuner. Yeah. Red's yeah, been yeah, here yeah. since Sunday. I think yeah. 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 his bank account might say otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We yeah. did a uh, we did a YouTube video about that one time, and it was completely unscripted. And we were like, "What's the real cost of LDR?" And it was one of our best YouTube videos on the Motion Channel because literally before you know it, we had the motor apart on Red's car, you know, on top of fuel tires, getting there, and yeah. all that stuff. And Pete's like. Straightening valves with a hammer, with a ball <laughs> peen hammer in a vice. And uh, that, you know, worked okay. But then we had to pull the motor out to send back with Pete because, you know, it's just the yeah, growing and learning about, you yeah. know, you start pushing this stuff harder. I don't think people truly will ever understand the cost of this won't. stuff. It's crazy. They it, won't. There, there is such a – that's what the coolest thing about drag racing I think of is the passion that the people have because 
those numbers and payouts, we appreciate them, but none of that's life-changing. No. I mean, especially yeah. when you're talking about the guy that's – Chris, I mean, them, guy, them teams are heavily funded teams – so fifty-two thousand dollars. Ultra Street payouts yeah. the same as LDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, yep. and I'll argue even like the World Series of Pro Mod when they're beating their chest about like a hundred thousand dollar payout. That's still a losing yep. proposition. Yep. Well, yeah, because only one guy's going home with that. Yeah, one like, guy's going home 50, with it. And like cars. when you start seeing Billy Billet Hemis being slung out of cars and they got holes in the side of the block. Yep. I mean, Pete, maybe I'm overdoing it, but I just feel like. It's not you're not gonna be rich after that deal. No, I mean anytime you do anything like that, it's you know, twenty thousand dollars to get it back running again, you know. And uh, the truth is most of those guys are gonna split in the finals anyhow. So yep. like that that hundred thousand right. very They're very right. unlikely that it's going home in one tote home. And a pro mod crew has a semi with four or five guys, they're breaking the third bill. members, yeah. the fuel it's crazy. So And then the people. You the know, people. I mean if you're if you, you take a team like <clears throat> the team Lyle's driving for, Scott Tidwell, you know, they've got two trailers. They've probably got 20, 25 people running two cars, possibly three cars. So, I mean, that all adds up to a, lot. a big, big, big amount. So, kind of the passion drives everything. It, 100%, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You have to own a business that's ideally trying to sell parts and you're advertising your own business. That helps a lot from what I've seen. Yeah. It kind of helps you write off as a marketing budget, I guess, yeah. in a way. But. What these guys really need are like a Pepsi or a... Coca-Cola or like a, you know, Delta to like sponsor them because it's not even, even like what we do isn't even like net positive for a race car manufacturing company. You I'll know, roll if you start... out there with the Twix car <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> My car is even like this right color, I feel like, a pewter. Yeah. put Twix yeah. on the side, it'd be perfect. Or M&M's, something along those lines. That's what needs to happen with the sport. Yeah, so, I mean, I hope that sure. I hope that moves in that direction. But yeah, the only thing, when them pro mod racers see 52,000 to win, the only thing that pumps them up is that it was more than 51,000. You know, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I mean, and next yeah. year if it's fifty three thousand, that's that's what's you know what I mean. That yeah. doesn't, it's not going to be life. But they'd they'd also probably be here if it was fifteen. Sure, sure maybe sure. Le- less would be here, but yeah, a little yeah. bit less. It, but yeah. it's still there. They're Wouldn't still be here. as cool because we raced for fifty last year. But <laughs> yeah, you know the fifty I mean? kind of just gets the spectators there. Like holy yeah, cow, excites, they're racing for fifty thousand sure. dollars. It excites yeah. 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 Sounds yeah. so life changing for the spectators. He's not wrong. You'll I guarantee you third tonight, tomorrow night, you'll watch. Those little engine cradles being pushed through the pits with eighty thousand dollar engines on them, pushing them into different pits to swap motors, and it's just even Mark Mickey after his see. after his run, they were slinging, they were putting rods and pistons in that thing and yep. going through everything. It's like people don't. You know, if you understood the true cost of this stuff, it's well, like... Well, it's a turbo what, car. I thought you just put, like... You don't even do the spark plugs on it. I mean, when we, <laughs> when we left today, there was three transmissions on the back of his yeah. toter. You know, yeah. those are... Yeah, $60,000 in transmissions just sitting on the back of the toter home. Yeah. Yeah. Not his, but... Yeah. I mean, but he's rebuilding somebody, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. spent somebody's, 20. Yeah, yeah. Just, even just changing transmission fluid, you know, is expensive. So. I know. I try to avoid that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Tough in a turbo car. Yeah. Well, Pete probably could speak on this. Like, you want to take the engine apart probably as much as possible so you know what's wearing before it becomes catastrophic. Well, especially when it's a new build. Like, when it's a new build, it's nice, it's nice to take it apart early and just see, all right, what's what's working in here and what can need a little change, you know. So once it's sorted out, a lot of times it can go a little bit, but a lot of it depends on the tune, too. Like, the better the car is sorted out, the harder it is on the motor. <laughs> well, like, like Reds, he used to be able to get away with 60 runs on rods, and yeah, right. we learned that wasn't possible yeah, anymore. That, that's because the things are just faster now, and there's more power involved. So that means your rod count is 
gets lower, you know. When you're going four twenties and making sixty passes different than three nineties and making sure, sixty totally passes. Different. Your list of what's a consumable grows yeah, right. and mm-hmm. suddenly you're like, wait, the block is a consumable? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you gotta fig- and you gotta figure that out before it expires itself. Cause yeah. Yeah. when it expires itself, nothing nothing good's left. Yeah. Well that's probably why data helps. I've seen some people look at their laptop and they're like, oh, you know, I gotta replace this part in the engine, and I'm like, wow, you can see that on the laptop? That's yeah. pretty That's pretty awesome. I can't see anything on mine. Try <laughs> not to turn that on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like the, you know, stuff like the Clearview filters and little things like that have probably you guys have seen evolve over time that yeah. you can actually tell things are wearing before the rod is out the side of the block. That's, I, I, think, I think that's why it's so, so good to have Pete on board with ARC program is the builder and the tuner, so they're hand in hand. So it's not, hey so, man, I got a motor and the tuner comes. You know what I'm saying? You know. You don't have a Spider-Man meme yeah. where they're both pointing at each other. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just Pete in his mirror. Right. Yeah. We, can, we can come out. We can come out and we can make a bunch of rips, and then Pete can say, okay, let's pop the motor out. I just want to take it apart and look at this or look at that, and make a small adjustment, and that makes the world a difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Whereas, obviously, the alternative is, well, I mean, yeah, the rods come out of that thing you bought from whoever. Yeah. So, But the other thing is, for me, that's how I work, right? Because, like, if I were relying on somebody else to tune or somebody else to build the motors, I would always, you don't know what's going on. Where, yeah, you'd have that pullback. <clears throat> Whereas, if, if the same person is doing both, then all right, I get to see, all right, well, when we run a tune like this, the end result is this. <laughs> this is so there's a there's a direct feedback loop that I think is crucial. Didn't you start building motors out of necessity for that? Yeah, well, I mean, cuz you uh, didn't go to school or anything for it. No. Um but yeah, so I you know, it all ties together to me, but in my case like you know, the reason I'm doing what I, you know, at the level that I'm at today is because I blew tons of shit up, you know. And uh and then, you know, we didn't have the money to buy good stuff, so that meant I had to fix it, right? Well, when you're fixing it, you learn pretty quick, all right, we need to figure out a way to not do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go down. I'm also still again. running out of money. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't change anything. So um, so that, that you know, there's a there's a, a system to that, and that's that's where I came from. You know, that and I, the, the struggle of finding competent machine shops was a, a, a big reason that I, you know, have a machine shop. Yeah, I've talked to a few people like that where they're like, yeah, I just couldn't get anybody to, you know, do it the way I wanted, so I bought all the equipment. And I'm like, yeah. ah, that's a crazy next step of... <laughs> well, you have to. And it starts out on a small scale. Like in my case, I remember way back in the day I would get have a local shop do valve jobs because I'd started porting my own heads and stuff, but I couldn't do the valve job. Well, I get the heads back sometimes and I could see daylight through them. And I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I figured that can't be right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So then, long story short, I ended up buying a seat and guide machine and doing my own valve jobs, the same machine I got today. And, uh, you know, it was not a crazy expenditure, but that starts the process. And then later on, you're like, well, if I had a head surfacing machine, then I'd pretty much have, I could do about anything to a cylinder head. So one thing leads to another. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I know you guys pretty much same deal, right? Where you're like, well, we need to make parts, so I guess we'll just buy. We originally just wanted to design parts and have other people make them, and then we always got put on a back burner. (laughs) Same deal as Pete, and then so we bought a machine and told Andy to learn how to use it, and then (laughs) now we got fifteen of them. (laughs) Andy, you have to learn how. (laughs) That was it. We bought a machine, and then then I learned how to use it. So, So, so. 
I was going to talk to Lyle about this again, but the no prep king versus pro mod stuff. Um, do you work on any, do you mess with any of those no prep king guys? Because they're pretty close to pro mod now. They are. That's the same thing. I, I've helped a few of them behind the scenes as far as the big tire cars, um, but not, I don't, I've never been to the track with any of them yet. Uh, at, as far as a no, kept, no prep kings event. It seems like the no prep portion is just a marketing ploy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I don't think tracks are necessarily any different. Yeah. I think they spray I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's cool. Bit. It's good for the sport. It's pretty much yeah. just a steel-roofed Pro Mod, though. I think that's the only real difference is they have steel roofs, and the rest of it is, like, as Pro Mod as any other car. Yeah, it's no different. <laughs> I think in the end of the day, if there's no rules, everything ends up that way. Yeah. Like that's a screwblower yeah. or big twins. You should see the streetcar class. I mean, you're about to step back into a yeah. full Pro Mod field. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of feel like going with a little small block, but we'll do our best. Welcome to the party. I, I exactly. Have, I have six cylinders. Yeah, and I'm being told now that if I don't have a Coyote, I can't compete. So I'm still trying to ban them from the class. I'm working at Victor a little bit. Yeah. Two valves go. per cylinder only. There you go. I like seeing the weird combos that step into this kind of stuff. I mean, you probably just work on, what, like small block Chevys, big blocks, and like LSs. But then seeing, like, diesels and 2Js and, like, six cylinders and, like, weird things like that step into the into the classes and kind of throw John Sears for a loop is kind of fun to yeah. to watch. Well, I've, I've done six-cylinder stuff. Um, we've done, actually, years ago, we qualified number one at World Cup with a six-cylinder at X um, uh, for Jamie Hacking, which is a motorcycle racer. But um, It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I'll do six cylinders, the, the four valve stuff. Um, and my business partner's a diesel, comes from the diesel world, so I've kind of been drug into some of the diesel work, repair work on some of his blocks and billet blocks. And you had a top qualifier mod motor for yeah. several years. Yeah, yeah so. we do. Uh, we've done quite a bit with the mod motor stuff. and Which uh, that was obviously before the Coyote times. But right, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> same rules apply. Yeah, you know? it's the same. Bunch of chains. Yeah. Bunch of guides. Bunch of chains. Yeah. No brains and all the chains. More chains and brains. That's all it. kinds of guides and... <laughs> <laughs> Tenchers. Parts from everywhere, every car under the sun. That's what I've learned is, like, you have to buy mod motor stuff from, like, a navigator or, like, something weird, and it's all weird. Yeah. I like the simple world of small blocks, Chevys. Yeah, yeah a lot of <laughs> yeah. times we prefer that because it's just easier to work on, and for most customers it makes more sense. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> but if the rules, you know, have an opening for somebody with – a weird combination to come in. I think Ultra Street um, was it the Mustang with the six cylinder from I can't think of his name, but the Grand Eric National. Lafayette. Yeah, the Grand National oh, in a oh, okay. in a Fox body. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. such a weird combo, but it somehow kind of squeezes into well, the, the rules thing just with right. Ultra Street is Ultra Street is a very turbo restricted class. So, and when that's the case, you want to make the motor as small as possible, and that's where the six cylinders and the yep. mod motors kind of shine. You know. <clears throat> Dave Fiscus. That's Dave, Dave Fiscus. Fiscus, yeah. I thought you were talking about Eric LaFerrier. He was here testing. He's got a 6 X275 with a 2J. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that thing's badass, too. Yeah. But they're pulling that thing apart constantly for what they're yes. trying to do. And but, that, you know, when you got a combination like that, as 
Pete and Mark Rogers worked through too. You don't get to bounce ideas off of a seasoned racer that's running this, you know, Hemi engine. This Hemi engine, everybody's got them. Oh, this is the head you use. This is the piston design, the rod design. When you're doing something different, you it, it just look at Ryan Milliken in the diesel. You know, I mean, look at how good he's running. But I can remember watching him for several years and me just sitting back there saying, dude, when is this guy going to give it up? <laughs> when is this guy going to give it up? You know what I mean? And then now look, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So just persevere through it, you know what I mean? He just had to force it through. But, but I think it's truly cool and inspiring to watch. His is a little different, though, because that thing's got a lot of cubic inch. It may be a six-cylinder, but isn't it like a five-nine or something big? Like I'm sure it is. It's a pretty. Least, yeah, it's it's not like a three-liter. But it's still yeah, unorthodox. Yeah, of course, it's yeah, weird it's, and heavy. Yeah, and it's not like you're gonna call. I don't know whose converter he uses, but you're not gonna call that company and say, "Hey, I need a converter for my specked out nitrous intercooled ninety pounds of boost." You know. Yeah. Cummins diesel in my Nova. You know what I'm saying? You just got to figure that stuff out. Well, and he's and probably it takes fighting, runs. He's probably fighting power management more than sure. the next. I mean, just as much as the next guy or mm -hmm. worse. He was like, bending no leaf springs. It. Yeah, he's yeah. twisting yeah. leaf springs up, mm -hmm. which Bad. is crazy to see. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a cool class though because I think like 76 millimeter turbo is like the biggest you can go in ultra. In ultra, ultra. Yes. yeah, yes. which is so small for a 2J is tough to run that small of a turbo and squeeze out what you need to at that weight it's like 3300 pounds or 3200 yeah. pounds with a 76 like that's a tough class but then you start getting into so much of converter stuff how much yeah. have you have you looked at making converters pete i feel like that's probably your your next step <laughs> well i, I feel like you're just like i need to do it all so i guess converters is next <laughs> well i don't do converters but i do have my own converter pressure management system that's on red's car actually it's on uh it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Uh, Ryan's Diesel. Uh, okay. And that, he. You know, he seems to think that was a big game changer for him because it, you know, well, the problem with a diesel is you've got to you've got to have a, a really tight converter to couple that thing and keep it from turning nine thousand RPM because that's not going to work. You know, and uh, this al allows you to kind of loosen up a really tight converter and, and have some control over it. But no, I don't do converters, and I doubt I ever will. <laughs> there's a there's a lot to that, and I'll let the converter guys handle that. Yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's it's a complicated science that I don't even yeah. begin to understand. Well, I, I joke that no nobody knows what happens in that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, just the cloud. It's like the, the information door. is in the cloud. Yeah, really I'm glad to hear you say, you say that too. Do you really know why it goes Because <laughs> I don't understand it either. And every time a converter guy tries to tell me something, it's like over my head or in one ear out the other, I'm just like, all right, just, just I'll put me. it back in. Just send it to me. After, yep. you, after you weld that thing back together, it's all a guess after that. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't lie really shut off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting a GoPro in the fridge. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, you got to make yeah. sure. <laughs> does it shut off? It doesn't. Right. So, GoPro probably shut off. So yeah, does Mickey's record count in testing? I heard that in a comment, and it's tough to say – Record I mean, it's real. It's real. It's real. Yeah, say what you want. Yeah. 
It's already out there on it social media. It's on, happened. It's, to me, it depends on the record. But in this case, like, there's really no class that's running quarter sure, mile. So, sure. like, it's, 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 everybody's, nobody's going to argue. Hey, like, yeah. any good micro record. Yeah. yeah. Like, LDR, It's a micro record, but it is cool. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, if oh, it's badass. Goes, no question. If somebody goes 379 in LDR, that's not a record until it's done at a race. Yeah. You know, across the scale. But right. still, like, when yeah. it's posted on social media and everybody's got it on their eyes, it's they feel like it's done. Yeah. yeah. Even though that, even though I could sit there and watch somebody post, okay, they went a seventy nine, but it was in testing. So in your mind, you're like, it's not real, but you just seen it, so it happened. Yeah. If anybody Whether tried you to, qua- to see it or not, it happened. Yeah. If but they tried to question the legitimacy. It's like but, it happened. We yeah. were all there. Yeah. yeah. But you, you as an LDR racer, if somebody went seventy nine, you in the back of your mind like, dang, I, I, I don't know if I can get there. Like, yeah. That's definitely. I mean, that happens. I'm sure. Ha- but, but you know, in max effort class racing, it's like a chess game. You know, it's like something I wanted to comment on before when you were asking Pete about qualifying order. I feel like, you know, you take the top 10 cars in any class and they could all, probably the top 32, could win first round, they could lose first round. But where you qualify on that ladder or where your position is on that ladder, like, starts the pace for the rivalry team that's going to pair up with you. What they're You're trying to get them off of their game. You know what I mean? And if they're outside, they're saying, well, we got Justin or we got whoever first round and he's four-tenths faster. You want them off of their game so they'll screw up. And if you qualify in front of them, that's the advantage you kind of have. And I think the same thing, you know, when you see an ET or a record set that's way out there, it gets you off of your mindset of your – goal that you need to be working toward and it gets you looking at this guy's coattails which which you even farther behind you know without, what I mean? without a doubt i bet there's a lot of people thinking about taking that record from mark at this point oh, and, I'm sure, yeah. and before this week nobody had thought about the quarter mile door. which is a huge distraction yeah. right yeah. you're it already is. talking about sure. mark had to put rods in it yeah. you had to yep. put different shoots on it yeah. i'm sure they set it up different like yeah i'm sure the gearing in the trans is completely different than what he runs in the eighth mile setup and stuff like that sure but it's it's crazy to think like he wanted to change a car over just for testing to run at a quarter mile and then change it back to run at eighth mile because I'm I'm sure it's pretty different. Well, put himself in the history books. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That car will forever be yep. plastered as. And yep. he's in the race car transmission business, so it works out good. That's good advertising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's like stick shift racing, like three out of the five guys that are front runners sell transmissions. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. So you have to sell transmissions, I yeah. guess, to be yeah. good at stick shift yeah. racing. But, but, but if they're not, then you question your transmission builder too, yeah. right? Like That's true. Yeah, you definitely uh, worry about that a little bit. Would I wonder if like you could kind of squeeze into one of those classes if you had a stick shift in your car, like something like Leroy could kind of, <laughs> you know, because it has stick shift and because it's an H pattern, would they allow I think some the, weight? I'd watch it. I'd oh, watch somebody try. Yeah. <laughs> I think the inconsistency is what would. Well, well I don't know. Well, 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 I'm not saying he would that. win. Sure, I'm just sure. saying, let him say A lot of those sure. pro mods are, uh, you know, manual transmission with a converter, anyways. But yep. You yeah, mean like with that, an yeah. H pattern? Yeah, like a real yeah, H that's pattern. Not, yeah. not in yep. pro mod, but in like, you know, yep. X2 or in like LDR or something. I don't know. Would be the hard way to do it. I guarantee you probably could have asked Garrett several a couple years ago if Leroy would ever been would ever go sixes. I think the first time I seen that car, I wouldn't have went nines in it. So (laughs) I can't imagine him driving it going sixes. Well, aerodynamics is just destroying it so badly at that back end. Sure. Even though it's only like a little bit of time, 
have you have you thought about any data for aerodynamics like can anything like any sensors or anything you guys can kind of put on to see what it's what it's fighting at that top end it'd be interesting to know yeah i know they've had it in the wind tunnel and it was awful you know <laughs> but i don't know it, it's like it's, it's hard to know what what that actually does in quarter mile you know in eighth mile i would say and this is probably an unpopular opinion i'd say Probably not much of nothing because that, that thing doesn't – it only matters for such a small period of time, and it just doesn't show up. But, like, quarter mile, it's going to be some, you know. I don't know how much, though. Yeah. Well, even the El Camino is not exactly aerodynamic. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of a school right. bus yeah. <laughs> looking thing. But at exactly. the same time, I mean, Mark Mickey went – he set a lot of records with his G-body back in the day. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's yep. true. G-bodies. Same front end. G-bodies yep. are good. Yeah. Uh, Doug, where's your car at? What's the story on it? Should be What's running. I mean, race? if we weren't racing all week this we yeah. we we've been testing every day this week. We so have. probably next week I'll uh, have it fired up and hopefully headed to the dyno. Nice. What's the first race for that thing? <sighs> hopefully sick week, but my baby's due about the same time, so it's going to be a questionable situation. Mm. I feel you on that because my baby's due right before sick week, so it's yeah. kind of like. Yeah, I'm really. I mean, being it's my first child, I'm just trying to. It's like. Going through the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. Do I go to the race? Don't say nothing you can't yeah. take back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say nothing you can't take back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just don't know if I really want to put well, my wife that we know, through that. But now that we know Cooper's going to be at the hospital already. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. One, there's no need for both of y'all. You know what I mean. My phone's off. She could be in labor right yeah. now. <laughs> hey, Cooper, we take care of this. I'll be back here in a few days. Exactly. I mean, you got a good well, you chance. You run an errand for me real quick. Yeah. yeah. If you got a good chance of winning, well, I think you you're got a free pass. We'll see when the time gets closer. We'll Man. see what Molly thinks about that. But, uh, you know, maybe she, if I can teach her how to change tires, maybe she'll come along with me. That way it's a little more convenient, but who knows? Bring the baby. Yeah. So um, where are we going to go? I, I wanted to talk about the no prep side of things. You guys kind of got, Pete and Lyle got a little into that debate of flashlight stuff. Mm -hmm. Personally, I hate anytime there's a, Video that I see of somebody at a drag strip and the tree is off. Yeah, that oh, frustrates me. It's if you're on the street and you got a flashlight, I get it. It's yeah. the worst of the worst. But yeah. if you're at a drag strip and it's right there, you have yeah. You're just you're, standing next to stand, it. Yeah, why why back yourself up 50 years? And, well, it's kind of like kicking the corner of your door frame. You can only be mad at yourself if something goes wrong. <laughs> right, you yeah. know what I mean? And they get all wound up. It's like. You knew yeah. this was going to happen. Okay, if the if you're telling me the tire cracked, but there's a light right there and you didn't use it, I don't, I don't know what yeah, to say yeah, to yeah. that. Well, a lot of people don't understand why I get so upset about that. And the reason is, is what people don't, don't realize is that if if you are at a flashlight race and you're the fastest car there, it, the way the the way they run the rules, like it's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to take a shot, probably successfully, at at the jump and get a half second head start and there's nothing you can do about it and the more they figure it out the more it happens every round and there, there's you don't, you don't understand like from their perspective they're either going to lose and go home or take a shot and maybe come away with it so there's no incentive to not do it yeah you know so yeah if you pull up next to beer money you know you can't outrun like them you're, yeah, you're going to try to go around a lot of times you know you're probably not going to pull it off but like so then, why not take a shot at it? You know, because yeah. the, if you if you don't pull it off, then the same result's going to happen either way. Yeah, know? especially so. if these races are doing twenty, fifty thousand dollar payouts. It's like, why not? Right. Yeah. So that's from my perspective. I'm just like, man, this sucks. Trying to do that. Well, with beer money too, is at 
if I pulled up next to Beer Money, I don't want to be very close to it. So I'm going to try to get out on it. And has tennis shots. There's not a lot to lose on Lyle. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Lyle basically have the parachute on his hood. <laughs> the other guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a scary car to be in the lane next to it. And there's well, and you got to make sure like your tennis that. shot's up to date. That too. Right. Like, Lyle's driving that thing with the full, like, he looks at both walls, and he's like, I guess I can use anything in between these two walls. That's it. And that's what it takes to really run at the front of no prep, uh, at least up to this point, you know. And, you know, Lyle's a, an unbelievably competent driver. So a lot of the tune-ups that I put in that car, I wouldn't put in there if it wasn't, if, if there's anybody but Lyle driving, yeah. <laughs> that dude can get it down, you know. But then it's so different, too, because there's back of the track, front of the track, yep. kind of prep, track that just had oil on it. Yep. There's so many, like, there's no so prep many. is a pretty broad definition. It is, and that's why, like, with Beer Money, we run it pretty much exclusively on front side. We've kind of, dip, you know, uh, stuck our toe in the water of the backside stuff but when they drug me there, kicking and screaming because it's just so different that it takes a whole different car. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of those guys have huge amounts of weight piled in as far back as they can get it to make it work. And like I said, the car is just totally different. And not not a lot of people are successful on both ends. Like they either you either have a really good backside car or the other way around. Or you have a mediocre car at both, you know. There's, I mean, occasionally some guy, somebody managed to pull both off, but it's rare, you know. <clears throat> yeah, good old beer money. I love watching that car rip. Yeah. It's, uh, it's scary, though, at the same time. Anytime there's an in-car footage, I'm like, uh, uh, maybe I'll skip through this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like a horror movie. Yeah. Damn, got to look away. Yeah, I see, like, wires hitting the gas pedal on him. I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going on here? Yeah, it's, it's a unique piece. But that's kind of why we kind of decided to eventually kind of back burner it in the front side deal because now like that car runs mile an hour in the eight that it ran in the quarter when it was built right and it when it did that it was at the, the limit of its cage right so like it's it's like I say it's doing that in the eighth mile now so it, it we need to kind of back that up a little bit yeah, Take limit. a second look at safety. Yeah, right. <clears throat> at least. The limit of the cage didn't look like very much. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's just a, you know, like an eight-point steel, mild steel, MIG-together cage. There's there's literally no subframe connectors in that car. There's no bar down there. There's nothing, you know. And it's incredible it does what it does, but, like, it's nothing special. We were talking about micro records, and I was thinking about the LS guys that or the no-time no guys that start claiming records. Mm. That one really, I get a kick out of that one. He's like... No time guys are like, I got the fastest, you know, stock block LS. And I'm like, well, how do you know? You got to choose one of the one or the other. Yeah. They're like the sometimes racers now yeah. where they like show like half of a slip and like pieces and cuts. I love when they show a slip race. and it just shows their car number. And everything yeah. else is covered up. Like, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> or they don't know that the slip also says the time at the top. Yeah. Because yeah. all oh, the slips say that. it at the top. Like and then you go bit. on the app of the, of the racetrack and yeah, pull them up. Yeah, yeah that, that's caused some freaking fighting, too. I've seen that where... The what, I, what I don't get on the no-time stuff is how a guy can be racing a class one weekend, then no time the next weekend, and then back to a class... It doesn't make sense. I've done that in the street style stuff, but then like the serious, like, I mean, streetcar takeover, love those events, but they let people double enter. Mm -hmm. No time in extreme 28s. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like that really doesn't make sense yeah. when you're back to back running your yeah. car. 
But, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, we all know how fast they're going. You can tell yeah, pretty yeah. much with a good idea and a good editing. It's tough. We have the technology. Yeah, it's a tough deal. Is there any records you are trying to set, Doug? Do you have any micro records? I think somebody in, beat in me mind? to the six second, first six-second LT record, so... Um, I know. Um, I'm just happy to be. Racing. Nate was going pretty fast. Nate went a couple really fast passes with his. Yeah, he only went days. a little bit faster than what we had gone before. I think he went fifties. He went fifties, and yeah, we were we were bottom sixties a yep. couple years ago. So yep. hmm. I think. I mean, we're just kind of just trying to run our own game, and I think the thing that gets forgot about Dragon Drive is just creating a combo that's consistent and and gets down the track and goes fast like. Guys will show up on the first day and not be there on the last day. And, yeah. you know, hey, just... listen. You know, it's hard. <laughs> including me. Including me. I've been here. I've been here. Listen, I've had no headlights on my fair share of Dragon Drive adventures. No. <laughs> no, you followed me for Don't remind me. You owe me miles. a lot of sleep hours on that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had my head out the window with my iPhone. Yeah. I was, I was riding the rumble strips for yeah. probably, what, an hour? Yep. I was just like, oh, yeah. if I'm on the rumble strips, I'm not in the ditch. Yep. Yeah. And True. I found out why, but the, the number of cops that we passed when you had no headlights and they didn't even look twice at you was staggering. <laughs> they couldn't see me. <laughs> see? Yeah. Like staggering. It was, like, it was a stealth mode. Mustang. They couldn't see me, and it was cold that night too. Oh yeah, it was. It that was, was a rough night. Yeah, <laughs> that was not fun. Yeah. And that you guys signed up though this year, I would imagine. Well, you yep. are. Yeah, Red, you going again? Up. Oh yeah, if it's re- if it's going. If it's going, I'm going. What about your car? Anything, uh... Uh, I'm undecided. Well, I'm building a new car. I'm building a Monte Carlo. So mm. um, I'm undecided on what I'm going to do. So I'm, I know that won't be done in time. So yeah. I'm not sure if I want to drag the GTO down here or not. Yeah. Pete, you think the El Camino's got it in and again with the new kind of setup? We'll see. It's got quite a different combo than last year. Yeah. The, you know, that car has just issues with the wheelbase and everything, but... Driver. As far as sketchy, <laughs> sketchy tracks, um, but I think it can do good. Um, we'll see. It's got some weight out of it, you know, and there's definitely more more power. In uh, you know, he went. What did he run the other day? Um, Two thirty something, you know. Yeah. So if we can spicy add that power to it, it'll help. You know, we just have to see what it does. Yeah, that was an interesting deal with the World Cup because a lot of people were a little frustrated by him having to go to a faster class. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of understand it on the promoter side of things because it. Well, he had to go. Block. He had to. If you have the equipment to go fast, That's you true. should have to use the equipment yeah. to go fast. Can't be puppy kicking now. Come yeah. On. So yeah. It, it's kind of a tough debate. And I get why people that aren't in the world see it as like, oh, they forced him to do this. But first off, nobody forces you to any race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody forces you to put 98s on, or 94s on your car. Yeah. Like, if you want to be in that class, you yeah. build a car to go to that class. And nobody you know? held a gun to his head and said, you have to show up yeah. at World Cup and run. Yep. Whatever class, you know. I mean, realistically, Garrett's car doesn't even fit LDR rules. It would be in no. Pro 275 at no. this point, so yeah. it needs to be running yeah. 360s. The problem is yep. the car is... And it doesn't go 380. It's a super yep. cool car, but yeah. it's a weird car. And yep. It doesn't make doesn't make sense in race classes. Yeah, when you, times, you know? if he wants to class race, it's just the wrong car for yeah, the class. Right, it's just kind of in a hard spot. It's especially. one of those deals where he built a car and hoped for the class yeah. Yeah. instead of built a car around a class well and on the same point he doesn't want people to show up with his same combo because they will and he won't even be in the you know he won't even be remotely competitive if other cars with 481x and 94s show up well what's that other car that went the record on a radial um mark benson or something the guy from canada yeah yeah the black the black camaro yeah 
and yeah, and that's just like a conventional headed big block with twin. Like it's probably got nothing crazy. It's probably got ninety eights or one hundred twos on it. I'm sure it's got a lock up in it. And it went like five sixties, I think. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's yeah. kind of like proof of what is capable in sure. a way. And I think that was even a step higher than Garrett's class. Yeah. So when you look at the data on what guys are doing, you kind of have to make that judgment call. When you yeah. open up rules for a car to get in, you often open a floodgate that you don't really want to yeah. open. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like you I say, your car. the the his situation is he's got that wheelbase to deal with, and he's got high mounted turbos in front of the motor. <laughs> so like, if you were going <laughs> to yeah. try to go after that, you got to make some changes. You know? Yeah, reality we all know it's not purpose built car. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so why does the wheelbase hurt him though? Because some people talk about wanting the wheelbase. Well, you do in certain situations, right? But his wheelbase is extreme for any situation, you know. But if the track is, you know, if you're on a small tire like that and the track is in any way marginal, your weight is just all the way front, and you just, you're going to struggle. You know, it's hard hmm. to get it in. you got to get it get it back. And, yeah, like a fox body is 101 inches, so he's 15 inches longer than a fox body right. in that car. <clears throat> yeah. And there's a reason people race with fox bodies. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Then the 315s can only do so much. Like in a pro mod, you want wheelbase a little bit because you've got a huge tire back here and tons yeah. of traction. So, like, you you need a wheelbase to help calm things down, but it's the opposite in a radial deal like his. If a track is just absolutely perfect, yeah. it's it's not too bad, but, like, anything other than that, it can be a struggle. Well, even, like, Brett's car, I think, has a little bit more wheelbase than a Fox body. Mm -hmm. And those cars seem like they're in the perfect wheelbase those s197s they seem like they have the perfect wheelbase for both no prep prep like i don't know it's weird mustangs seem like they've always just hit it on the head with like random things like that like suspension geometry and wheelbases and stuff but then g bodies kind of suffer from there i have an f body so if anybody's yeah yeah i mean you got a freaking gto so if we're talking about bad chassis <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. f body gto yeah. nobody ever intended at el camino to do what garrett's doing true. With that. True. like that was true. never a thought that crossed yeah. anybody's mind uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's even wrong when you see it do it right and it's it like look right it doesn't it's, just, it's a double-edged sword because you're upset because you don't have the proper chassis for the powertrain yeah but then if you build a purpose-built car you really you have to run up top because you do have a purpose built car. So it's it's just double edged sword. Well, and he uses you know, he uses it on so many different things. Sure, you know, sure. A purpose built car isn't going to go do sick week. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You can't run racing pro mods and then also have a radiator that that that's that big. Right. It right. just doesn't make yep. sense. Really, there's probably so much weight in that car with just street stuff. But you guys in LDR, don't you have to have, like, working headlights and, like, stuff like that, isn't it? Like We don't have to have working headlights. You or know like, what I, mean? I mean, I say that there has to be headlights there, but it's not like they come through and say, all right, turn your headlights on, let me Hit the blinker. Work. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. have to have front frame rails. Yeah, it's factory like body lines, factory dimensions, plus or minus an inch. But at 3,300 um, pounds, all that doesn't really matter anyway. Exactly. Because you might as well exactly. have full interior. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it doesn't need to be titanium at that yeah. point. Yeah, like, why? what are you going to do? Like, yeah, cut it all out and then add weight? Yep. Like, it just doesn't yep. really make that much sense. You guys both, I feel like, have ruined the Nova markets, though. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Well, if anybody has I one for sale, contact it. me. Yeah, I'll I give you I'll put my cornered. email in the description below uh, or in the comments section. Doug's trying to do that with third gens right now. Yeah. He's trying to corner that market, but I don't think the third gen was ever going to take off, Doug. I'm sorry. 
Oh, you're wrong. Man. <laughs> you're wrong. I disagree. Uh, disagree. I Dude, a, a third gen just sold on Meekum last year for $120,000. Yeah, that's wild. I just can't. I can't fathom the. But I will. I will also qualify that with they drive terrible. Even a low <laughs> mile one. They're really boring ever. and underpowered, but they are cool. What's the selling? What's the like, what's the selling feature? Just nostalgia the always sells everything. Man, I can't. I can't get. Think all the, the cool stuff so. people did in the in the, you know, in the 90s yeah, and 80s. No, in those yeah, cars. nobody. I mean, I can remember growing up. Obviously, in that in that era, you didn't ever see a new. I mean. Like today, you go down the road, everybody's got new Corvettes. I mean, there's so many people that can afford to go buy a new Corvette. 25, 30 years ago, you couldn't just afford to go and buy a new Camaro. You know what I mean? So you didn't see new cars like that. You know what I mean? So I think that's what's cool is that that generation is now in their 40s and they're looking to buy that car that they couldn't get when they were freaking 18 and 19 years old. Their kids are off to school and they're like, man, I had a lot of fun in that. Yeah, so they're not worried that it... Is only got a 200 horsepower engine and it drives like crap and gets bad fuel mileage. Don't but, meet your heroes though. Yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. you end up. Yeah, in go drive one. That's 100 so percent fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, including an old G body. Oh yeah. any of that. You put Even this car on a pedestal and then you're like. Even a fortune, like the yeah. baddest fortunes, turds. You know oh, what I mean? Whoa, like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like factory original. Like Fourth, yeah, they're gonna great. creak and crack. <laughs> no, they're they're rough. Every panel like factory is mismatched already because yeah. they're. Eight different texture, eight different materials. It's like this one's plastic, that one's fiberglass, the roof's fiberglass, the doors. The thing about nostalgia is you remember the good and forget the bad. Yeah. yeah. Until you buy then the you car off Miko and, and then, then you get see it. all the yeah. bad again. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, we'll end it off here. This was a lot of fun. Hope to uh, definitely do it again. Where can everybody find you guys at? I mean, well, you can find us at Snowbirds. Yeah. You gotta be yeah. there this weekend. Snowbirds, if you're not there, if you're f- within like 100 miles of Bradenton or 150, 200 miles, you should probably start your It's gonna be a best, you best place to be this show weekend. Up. Yeah. That's what I say. And actually, the weather. Florida is like the, the 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 hub of Allegiant seventy dollar flight. So if you're watching this today, oh, just yeah. book that flight and come down. Yeah, you guys can make it, uh, Pete. You're tuning a lot of stock ECUs now, so if somebody's got, <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got like HP tuners, you know. If you put a there. cam in your fourth gen, you need to give Pete a call. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, put so, a Ridge Runner in my Silverado. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our, my website's HarrowEngine.com, and then the YouTube channel is real good at doing stuff. Yeah, great. A lot of music on there, a yes. lot of information on there. Yeah. Gets all fired up. It's it's kind of crazy place. <laughs> so good stuff. <laughs> Motion Racers and then uh, Red. Do you post anything? Nope. You just nope. kind of race. Nope. That's it. You race. You, you find me where you can find these guys. What That's the right, heck? man. I'm telling you. Man. Old guy problems. One of these old school racers yeah. that doesn't. That's because all I got time to do is race and then try to go back to work to make enough money to go race again, <laughs> and then go back to work and make enough money to go race again. <laughs> oh, My, good deal. We handle his publicity. There you Perfect. go. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. We'll thanks, see you dude. next time.